0: Drop in, gear up, and compete for glory in PUBG Mobile. Fight in explosive 100-man battles to be the last player standing. Experience incredible, realistic graphics and a variety of play modes. Download the official mobile version of PlayerUnknown's Battlegrounds for free. Go to your Android or iOS app store and type Mobile. Collect a special reward using the link and promo code provided in the episode description. Play now. Welcome to Off the Bench with Danny Connell. Danny Canale. Back to throw versus tight end. And Raja Bell. Bell has 22
1: for Raja. Saw the future of football right before your eyes. Just yell it out, man. He can't guard me.
0: All right, good Thursday morning. Raja and I hanging out, talking a little World Series. Yep. We're going to have our guy Emery Hunt's going to join us, break down uh, some gambling picks okay. uh for the weekend, college and NFL. we got Will Brinson, who I have a big beef with, because he's been awful chirpy about the Giants, oh. passing on a quarterback, and I could not disagree with him more. So we're going to have him on. That could be fun. We could throw down there. And then you and I have to talk about Darius Baisley. Uh, the young uh high school player. Yeah, he was deciding to forego college. You hate He's it. Not going to Europe. He's not going to you G League. It. He's going to be an intern. It's I don't. Good. I actually don't hate it. Okay, oh, good, we'll, good, good. We'll get, good, 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 we'll good. We'll get into that a little bit later in the show. But first, it is the World Series. Uh, and I think it's a wrap. I mean, it's over. I think we could break it down. We can go all the different directions. But this, uh, the Boston Red Sox, 108 wins in the regular season. They look. Like, they're every bit as advertised. I think it's kind of funny because I feel like we overlooked them. All the talk in the postseason was the Astros once they got through the Indians. It was like, oh, this Astros team is going to repeat. You know how the Red Sox were just flying under the radar, getting things done. David Price last night was just the latest guy in their lineup. That's one of the things I really like about this team. You've seen everybody contribute at different times. And they're 5-0 and on the road this postseason. I think they could go out there and sweep and not even come back to Boston.
1: Yeah, that doesn't speak uh, volumes to the to the confidence level of the Dodgers when you've got the the Sox coming in five and zero on the road because you know you you now have three games at home if you're the Dodgers, right? Yep, I do think that they'll win Game Three. I think going home. Um, if I'm not mistaken, what's, who's the guy on the mound for the Dodgers in game three? Like, I don't know all their names. I'm not even pretend to. But he's been, even though Walker, he's a third, he's not, he's a third man in that rotation, but he, he's been their best postseason pitcher this year. He's been the most dominant of the staff. So you got that going for you. You'll get the weather back in your favor, which clearly has affected them, right? That's been a huge deal. So I, I do you know, you think. Yeah, field, of course. Uh, but the problem is, like, one's not enough. Like, you're going to need to probably win all three if you're the Dodgers, if you have any hope creeping back into that series. And 0-2, teams that are up 2-0 have like an 81% chance of closing it out and winning the World Series. So everything speaks to Boston being squarely in the driver's seat. I thought it was, you know, I thought it was kind of cool to watch David Price out there, mm-hmm. you know, coming in to the playoffs What he was and 9 with the 6.16 ERA. Um That was in his first 11 postseason starts. And then they've won his last three starts. He pitched well in the ALCS, right? Mm-hmm. The last game against the Astros. And last night he, he looked good. Like, I, I don't know that that was like Vintage at the top of his game, like David Price, but it was it was good enough. And in a situation where Chris Sale hasn't been like electrifying, like you really need him to be, you know, to get the monkey off his back and then to continue to play well. He's doing that.
0: So yesterday we talked to Jonah Carey, and he was or two days ago, and we were talking about. Oh, it was yesterday. I can't keep track of the days. And we talked about David Price, and he was he's more of an analytical guy, right? And said, "Well, is there really such a thing as?" mentally getting over a hurdle or is it the statistics say he's just not that good in the postseason, he hasn't been good as of late. This is where I this is where analytics bothers me because I think it is a huge mental hurdle. Sure. And there's a confidence that's now all of a sudden there for David Price that when he takes the mound, he's like, Yeah, I got my win. That's that's out of the way. Now I can kind of relax, breathe free. He's also pitching with a one oh game, you know, series lead sure. when he's taking the mound. So it's a little bit less pressure. But I thought Mentally, I think he's in a much better place, and I thought he was dealing last night. Like, I thought he was pretty filthy.
1: Yeah, he looked good, and, and, and look, I think it can be a combination. This is my thing with analytics and, like, people who don't love analytics, like the guys who just want the eyeball test. Right. I think there's gotta be a, their marriage between the two, and both sides have to, you know, concede that, that they both play a part, right? Cause analytically, he may not be the best version of himself ever. But clearly, there is something to be said for the mental hurdle in getting over it. He alluded to the fact, David Price, that is, After he got the win in the ALCS, saying, like, yeah, it's good to have that monkey off my back. Like, it's not that food is going to taste better or anything like that, but clearly, you know, it was big for me to get that win and for us to get the win. So I I think in every case where you're having analytics and the eyeball test, the combination of the two, like, when they meet and they confirm something for you, that's what you're looking for. It's not one or the other. So, you know, uh I don't know where I was going with that, but JD Martinez. But here's here's what here's what I wanted to say because I started with David Price. Um, The two big investments they made were were JD Martinez and David Price, right? Yep, three hundred and fifteen million in those. Both of them. Right? Come up huge last night. Yep. And so, from a front office perspective, from a, from a ownership perspective, from a franchise perspective, like that's all you can ask for, right? <laughs> Absolutely. You spend your money in the best way you can spend it. At the yep. most important time, they're coming up big for you.
0: On the other side, too, with David Roberts, the, uh, the manager for the Dodgers, he's sitting guys because of the matchups. He's sitting Bellinger. The analytics sitting again. Sitting Max Muncy. Exactly. Yeah. And that's him saying statistically, uh, Max Muncie, Cody Bellinger, Jock Peterson, and all these guys they're have 25 it. home runs on the season. Like those are power bats wasn't, in the lineup, but they don't want to have a lefty lefty matchup. So they're like, no, I'm not playing them. At some point you need to do something different to kind of spark your team. And it's hard. Like baseball is 162 game season. These guys are used to playing long stretches when you're out, out of it and all of a sudden you're on the bench and you're coming back in. It's hard mentally
1: to get that adjustment. Wasn't Bellinger the NLCS, like was he the NLCS MVP?
0: Yeah. He Well, he had the big hit in the one the game big. where it kind of got, cause he was not very good in the postseason. Right. And then and he had a monster hit in the uh, in the championship a- ALCS. Yeah, to kind of get that off his back. Remember they ripped off his jersey when he was coming over there to celebrate. I don't. I didn't watch
1: the game. <laughs> um But no, here I agree with you one hundred percent. And analytics are, are in the way of this one because over sample over hundred and sixty some games. If you're telling me that he's fractionally um, better against righties than he is against lefties, okay, And right. you can afford to rest a guy through that type of grind. But when you're talking about like seven game series. And this small, like, window of opportunity to get something done, you put your best players on the field. You put your best bats in the lineup. And you might want to sit one of them, but you can't take three of your better players out. And that's not even accounting for what it does to the vibe in your locker room or what it does to that player's head. Do you know? Like, yeah. when you're getting yanked, I mean, when when I play, maybe baseball is different. I'm sure football, I'm sure there's the same yeah. mentality. Like, you want to know that there's some consistency that you can expect – These minutes or, or these swings or these shots, like you don't want to have to be going into the clubhouse or in a game every night wondering like, Damn, dude, am I going to get the same amount of minutes? Do I have to press early to, to make sure that I stay on the court? If I don't get the shot, you know, now, am I going to get it again? Do I have to maybe get selfish and squeeze an extra one to just try to get my rhythm going? Like right. those are things that you don't want a guy worrying about in a world series.
0: I feel like it could be a wrap, could be a sweep, but Vegas disagrees. Uh, Red Sox an underdog in this game. Dodgers minus 150 with Buc- uh Bueller on the mound. Porcello going for the Red Sox. Uh, stas- statistically speaking, since we're going with, uh, analytics, Lakers were supposed to win, right? They were 0-3. Yes. They were playing against the Suns. They finally get their first win. It was pretty dominant fashion, 131-113. to 113. LeBron goes out there, you know, not a monster night scoring-wise, but did give uh, 19. He was 7-16 of 16 from the field, played 28 minutes, 10 assists, 7 rebounds, kind of typical from him, and still did it without Brandon Ingram or Rondo, who were still out from the fight suspension. But I think this was big for them because if they would have lost that game against a Suns team that's still not very good, still very young, then I think there would have been a lot more panic in L.A. setting, right? Um, Even though it probably didn't matter in the bigger picture, people would have been all over them.
1: Yeah, this was a game that that you had to win just because the Suns are that bad. But you know, some of the I, I like when the Lakers play efficiently, and that means you've got so many weapons that I want you coming down. I want you getting off the ball when LeBron gets it. Quick decisions, like you see him making in these clips. It's not where he's holding it at the top of the key and. You know, jabbing at his defender and setting up an ISO. They're coming down and, and they're efficient and they're quick and everybody gets a touch. And you see on the stat sheet, like LeBron only had 16 field goal attempts. He had, he had 19. You had Brandon, I mean, Kyle Kuzma with 17. Lance Stevenson actually led him with 23. JaVale McGee drops 20 points. They spread the love around. That's when they're going to be at their best because they have a lot of weapons. Um, and it takes away a little bit of the possibility for chemistry to be an issue because you don't need as much chemistry when you play like that. You need more chemistry when you're running cohesive sets. Um, and when they play like this, they can be dangerous. I, I do still think that they have to pay a little bit more attention to the defensive end going forward.
0: For sure, they absolutely do. Now, there's something to be said, too, about the rhythm, the flow, when you see that ball spread around. In a late-game situation like we saw against the Spurs the other night, I think guys that are new to playing with LeBron can get – Stuck, like just watching, saying, hey, that's LeBron, he's got the ball, I'm just gonna spread it for him, let yeah. him ISO, and then it kinda takes everybody out of the rhythm, so I think that's where they'll kinda figure out that balance. They will,
1: but I, you know, if I'm being honest, having watched LeBron his whole career, a lot of guys get stuck.
0: For sure. At the end yeah. of the game.
1: And that's even after you played with him for a while, because you wind up understanding that. <laughs> <laughs> right. he's, I mean, everybody in the arena knows. Yeah, that. that's he's what he's, that's what he's gonna do. And some, you know, you live, look, when a guy's as good as him, or MJ, or Kobe, like you can say what you want, but you're living and dying with that. Like we can nitpick it and I will and right. you will. It's our job. <laughs> right. But like you're living and dying with LeBron James ball in his hand, top of the key, make something happen for you or someone else. And yeah, he's going to make some and he's going to miss some. And what killed me, like I was listening to people, was it yesterday or the day before? And they were analytically breaking down LeBron and, and how, how good he's been at the last second shot. And but listen, man, nobody makes them all. Right. Like they don't. Right. Like look at Kobe stats on last second shots. They would surprise you. Yeah. like he makes some big ones, but the percentage of makes that he has in those situations would surprise you. Like we fantasize, we romanticize how good MJ and Kobe were at that last second shot because they made some big ones, but the numbers aren't high percentages.
0: One, one of my favorite commercials is one of the Nike commercials, there Jordan ones, where he says, "I missed whatever the number was, yeah. you know, sh- game winning shots." He kind of starts with all the failures, sure, but they helped him become great. And if you, the, kind of the the motto is, "Well, if you don't take them, you never have a chance to be great." So, correct. You know, he, had to go out there and take him uh luke walton the other night we saw him you know get after the officials a little bit we speculated a little bit on you know hey who's lebron's guy you know is he he gonna have luke walton out the door there were some nba uh some some odds put out from vegas that have him as the favorite for the first nba coach to uh to get fired or leave their post right at seven to four odds that's that's more of an indication <laughs> that he's probably gonna be gone. Yeah,
1: they know they kinda
0: crazy, and they do always know. They do always know. I uh
1: that would be a mistake in my opinion. And I
0: thought you know, David Sampson did ask who's the Ty Lu, which I think there was somebody that LeBron liked better. That's what I don't know if the Lakers have. Um like Brian Shaw was the name we mentioned that was on their staff the other day. I don't
1: I don't know if LeBron has a great relationship. I don't know that this wouldn't be good for the Lakers and this would be no. terrible for LeBron. Like if this oh. becomes the narrative everywhere he goes, where the, he's going to get rid of a guy and then he's going to promote someone from the bench. I mean that that's a, that's almost a cancerous uh, stigma that's going to be attached to you if if that happens. So I, d- I don't see anyone on that list. I think this is the NBA season that you go through. Um, I'm trying to think of how many the last few years guys have got canned left and right during the season. I think right. this year I don't think you'll see anyone moved. Really, I think people will keep their job for the for the the entirety of the season. Nobody. I don't think anybody's going to lose their job next season.
0: Do you want to have a bet? We uh, we'll do something because I right. think it's going to happen. Lu is at twelve to one odds. The Cavs have off they're a little terrible, bit of a rough though. start. They're I think. Yeah, I don't think he's a going because I think he gets a pass because yeah, the fun is gone. Right. Nobody's even caring. Nobody even watches them anymore. Right. What about Tibbs? You think he could be in any bit of trouble with the, the Jimmy Butler stuff going on? The I think he could lose a job. He right, might lose right, right. his general manager
1: position. <laughs> right. I don't know that he's going to lose his coaching job because I think they'll be they're viable. I'm the going to say
0: somebody gets fired. I don't know who it is.
1: Somebody's getting yeah. fired. Billy Donovan? No. Oklahoma City's going to be fine. These are the favorite according to Vegas. Listen, if I had to pick one, Scott Brooks. Yeah. Scott Brooks in Washington. Yep. They kind They've of, been
0: a team that kind of gets there and doesn't get over the hump. plateaued. Yep. Like,
1: you you know, those two, they're really good backcourt, but I think the ceiling has been met, and it, it's not enough in the Eastern Conference. So if one, I'd say Scott Brooks. You
0: know, who, you know who's not getting fired? Steve Kerr. Yeah. <laughs> you know why? Because their team is really good. And, oh, by the way, Steph Curry. Because you could them. coach them? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. No, seriously, I could. And it's not like – I think I could coach him to a championship. Like, I don't, I don't even say. I don't, I think I could. I could be like, go get them, guys. And that's not to take away because I think Steve Kerr is a really good coach, but they're that good, especially when Steph's on fire and has 11 threes. Why back uh, like up? He did last why match.
1: back up? I mean, I know this is, this is like me sitting here playing like Thursday morning quarterback, but why ever back up against him? Make him go in. And finish amongst the trees. Like well, I'm so not- you're saying
0: like, and you, you really have to pick him up as soon as he crosses that court. Dude, if,
1: if I guarded Steph Curry much easier said than done, I would pick <laughs> him up across half court and I would stay right on his, what, right hip? Yep. Right? So that like you can't stop and pop cause I'm right on your right hand and you have to beat me all the way to the basket. I'm not getting backed up by your aggressive move at the basket so you can step back and shoot. Why don't- I haven't Ricky said that he'd make that nine trees. Because it's too, it's, cause I'm saying it, but it's impossible to <laughs> right. do. He's really quick. He's got a lot of, uh. I mean, r- even there, he had a
0: dude, I think that was John Wall in his face, and he just, the, the release is so fast. And the hash marks. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> that too. Yeah. The range, uh, for days that he gets it with. Uh, but he also, you've seen him at times when he has to, just to keep you honest, he will go into the trees and he'll get an easy layup because the court is spread. He like There's that. So yeah. He can like take that. that every time. Yeah, I, yeah.
1: With a guy with his size and stature. It would. It wouldn't feel good because you'd feel like you're getting. See, that's the thing about defending, right? Like sometimes your assignment, what's best for the team, doesn't feel good for you personally. Right. Like it didn't feel good for Kobe to drop sixty on me. Like it didn't. That didn't feel good. But I could get him. It did. But here's here's the if analytically speaking, I knew that if I could get Kobe into trying to score sixty on me, Mm -hmm. then it kind of would alienate the rest of his teammates. They didn't get to get cooking. And then we'd have a better chance of winning the game. And a lot of those big, big nights he had, my team would win the game. So like as it pertained to Steph, I would let him keep skating by me and take the chances, roll the dice of him getting twos in there finishing like around seven footers rather than backing yeah. me off and, and shooting me in and no. the threes uh-huh. in the
0: air when they're running Can't down the do court it. yeah so uh, and it says something about the way it invigorates the crowd and invigorates it. that's their donks yeah Those yeah, are their dunks. Sure. yeah absolutely uh, all right we got to get to some college football picks some nfl picks our guy emory hunt's gonna join us next i wonder if he's wearing a suit because he's been looking pretty fly on sure. sidelines yep. on tv yep. but he hasn't worn them for us yet we'll see if we get that next and all the best. drop in gear up and compete for glory in PUBG mobile PUBG Mobile is the official mobile version of Player Unknown's Battlegrounds, offering intuitive and heavily customizable controls. One of the very best mobile games available. It's also free to play. Test your grit as you fight in explosive 100-man battles to be the last player standing. Scavenge weapons, vehicles, and supplies inside a relentless, shrieking battle zone. Experience incredible, realistic graphics as you try to stay alive through a variety of urban and rural environments. Mix it up with different play modes that include teaming up, with up to three other players in squad matches. Play War Mode, Mini Zone, and Quick Matches for fast-paced arcade-style play. Take on different challenges to earn coins you can use to buy stuff like Badass Threads. Defeat every player. Stay in the zone. And before you know it, you'll be shouting your victory cry, winner, winner, chicken dinner. It's pulse pounding. It's fast-paced. It's winner take all. Download the official mobile version of Player Unknown's Battlegrounds for free. Go to your Android or iOS app store and type PUBG Mobile, P-U-P-G Mobile, Collect a special reward using the link and promo code provided in the episode description. Play now. All right, the awesome thing about PUBG is Battle Royale. So let's have our own version talking to NBA. We'll do some rookie discussion, all right? So we're going to do it around the Rookie of the Year, but I want to dig a little bit deeper because sometimes the Rookie of the Year doesn't always pan out as the the best career NBA guy. Right. So I want to hear from you. Who do you think is going to be the best NBA player over the long haul out of the rookie class? That's easy.
1: Oh it is. Yeah, it's Luka Doncic. Why? He's big. Yeah. All right. He's crafty. Um, he's been bred to be a professional player. Like he's got no he's got no high school background, he's got no college background. Those are two different games from the NBA style of game. He's learned to play purely as a pro. Um his physical stature, he's a bigger kid than I thought. And so I think that speaks to him being able to sustain the rigors of an NBA season. I think physically um, he's fine, and he's more athletic than I thought he is. All right, I'm going
0: I'm to go. I, I loved Colin Sexton coming. I want to go with him. A little bit of a rocky start so far. I'm going to go with Trey Young. Yeah. I think what we saw at him at Oklahoma was this superstar in the making. And I think he actually got overlooked coming out of this draft class because there was so much young talent in it. But so far, I think his game fits today's NBA Better than the other guys. Can fill it up. Can shoot from, from deep. He's got uh, all kind of range. And I think he's in a good spot in Atlanta where he can actually contribute over the long haul.
1: Yep. Freedom of movement definitely helps Trey Young, as it does Luca, who we have worried about athleticism. Um, guys can't put their hands on either one of these guys, which is going to help them both. I think Luca's kind of, again, I speak to his physicality and his stature. Um, I worry about Trey getting injured a little bit at, at, at some point in his NBA career just because he's slight of frame. Luca's a big body, set up well with Dennis Smith Jr. and the Dallas Mavericks there. So I, I wouldn't argue that Trey Smith, but I just think Luca has a step, uh, you know, he's got Got some some advantages in terms of size and stuff. You didn't give any love to Grayson Allen. That was your guy all, out there. You gave a lot of love to him early. You bailing on him already? Yeah. No, I thought that he would be. He'd have the most impact as a rookie, and that was provided he had the platform to, to to produce in Utah, which clearly he doesn't. But I don't think he has the highest ceiling in terms of being the best pro at the end of the day. That would be reserved for one of these two.
0: All right, you got Luca. I got Trey Young. We will have to wait ten years and see who won.
1: We'll figure it out. Look, I think I, I won. This are we
0: battle still doing the show, out. or we'll have to look you up at that time? <laughs> I think I won this all battle right, royale. We'll find out. 10. Make sure you check it out PUBG, the battle royales they don't get any better than that man we got spoiled with uh thursday night football those first few weeks yeah. now it feels like we're back to the uh okay, <laughs> the, but... kind of the doldrums <laughs> of ugh, like what matchup is this yeah. Who knows? Though maybe maybe brocktober yep. uh and brock osweiler will come through
1: because it's his month nope you never know but he is like public enemy number one in Houston. Toes can be
0: great. Oh yeah. All that money they paid for him. Yeah. It'll be uh, interesting to see. But let's be as what his teammates think yeah. of it too. All right. Let's do some picks. We got to get our, our guy, Emery Hunt in here for moving the line. Uh, three and two. The last time we talked winning record, uh, if you can follow him at F ball game plan on Twitter, he's founder and analyst at football game plan. What's up, man? I was hoping for the suit. Like you're rocking all these sweet threads at the games you're calling, but I, you know, the three quarter zip looks pretty good too. I'll give you that. Well, I wanted to keep it humble this morning. You know what I'm saying? It's so early. There you go, brother. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let's start off with college football. Uh You've got Utah on the road at UCLA. They're a 10 and a half point favorite. Chip Kelly uh, has his team playing a little bit better. They've won two straight. But this Utah team is pretty good. Who do you like here versus the number?
2: I, I like Utah in this game. I'll say later points with the Utes in this one. I like their quarterback. Huntley. He does a great job in just putting the football wherever he wants to on a football field. He's stacking positive games. One after another, and I think he's gonna to continue to do that in his game. Plus, Utah is very good alongside both sides of the line of scrimmage.
1: Um alright, Emery, let's go to one of these, uh, uh, smaller school games, right? So you got UAB Blazers and the UTEP Miners. UAB's laying 16, it appears. Uh, they're 6-1, UTEP is 0-7. What do you got on that one?
2: Yeah, this was an easy one for me because you have a great defense in UAB going up against a team that's struggling right now to put it lightly in UTEP. I think this game could be a route because of UAB's defense. I would say it lay all the points with the Blazers in this one.
0: Uh, a lot of teams we've talked about, uh, group of five. It's all around UCF, but there are some really other good squads, specifically in the Mountain West. You got Fresno State. They're bowling out this year. Hawaii is a pretty good team. They're on the road. It's a 24 and a half point underdog. Watch out for my man out at Hawaii, Cole McDonald, 29 touchdowns and only three interceptions, tearing it up. But that Fresno defense is pretty nasty. Who do you like in this one versus the number?
2: And it's because you brought up their defense. That's why I like Fresno State. Lay the points with the Bulldogs. The reason being, I think this game is going to look like one of those Alabama blowouts where it's going to be a slow blowout. It's going to be seven nothing, then 14 nothing, then 17 nothing. And then by the end of the fourth quarter, you're going to see a game that's like 28 to three. Fresno State. This was a team that I spotlighted earlier in the season, the preseason. Hey, keep an eye on Fresno State. They're building something special out there uh, in the valley. So I like the Bulldogs to win this uh, one and cover the spread.
0: Yeah, you you spotlight them early in the season. They've been six and one against the spread
1: all season long. Yeah, that's that's pretty good. Um, let's move over to the NFL, Emery. We got a uh, pick them. With the Saints and Danny's Vikings yeah. and like Kirk Cousins. So there, they are conflicting trends going on, right? The Saints are 15 and three against the spread in their last 18 road games versus a team with a winning home record. Uh, and conversely, the Vikings are 11 and one against the spread in their last 12 home games versus a team with a winning road record. So, uh, what do you got in this one in a pickup?
2: I was at the Jets Vikings game last week and if the Jets could complete five passes, they'd knock out the Vikings. And I think Kirk Cousins is a little bit, of funny money, we call it. So I would say take the Saints' yeah. this ball game and pick them. I like the Saints' defense. I love the Eli Apple edition. He's already better than what they were putting out there at number two at corner. So I think the Saints can go in there and win this ball game against the Kirk Cousin led Minnesota Vikings. Right. Watch, watch out for
0: my boy Kurt. I might, I might have to fade you on that one. Uh, but we'll see how it plays out. What about the Browns on the road against the Steelers? Le'Veon Bell news comes out. They thought he was going to be there after the bye week. He's still not there. Steelers are pretty good and the Browns have been coming back to reality a little bit lately. The Steelers, an eight point home favorite. Who do you like?
2: I like the Steelers in this one. Later points with Pittsburgh. I think because of what you talked about, the Browns starting to come back to earth offensively. They're just a bad offensive football team right now. Defensively, they'll still, they are still there. But when you keep that defense out there longer than what they want to be, they're going to wear down. And especially when Pittsburgh is coming off of a bye, their offense is going to start to fire on all cylinders. So I think they knock out the Browns in this one.
0: Good stuff. Our boy Debo uh in the control room there saying he wants to make T-shirts that say Funny Money Kirk on them. I love uh, it. I don't <laughs> like it at all. But we'll have to get you one you can wear on the show next time. All right, good good stuff from you as always, Emory. Thanks, thanks, man. Thanks, guys. All right, so we just uh, talked about the Steelers a little bit. Yeah. The Le'Veon Bell news for me, and I've, I've expressed my frustration on here several times throughout, whether it was the Labor Day, oh, he's going to be there after Labor Day, then he doesn't, then his teammates turn on him, then it's every, there's been this watch When's he going to show up? Then it was reported he's going to come at the bye week. Then it's not the bye week. Well, it's out. I'm done with Le'Veon Bell. Like, I don't even want to hear it anymore. Correct.
1: And you know what? James Conner's doing a pretty good job filling in his role. Well, correct. At this point, I, who cares? Like, I, I'm, I'm in, I'm in your boat. And I think that the Steelers, um, have adopted that approach. Like, there was a point where I thought it was, it was, um, a distraction for them where things didn't look like they were clicking offensively and maybe they were holding out hope. Uh, that Le'Veon Bell would be back, but at some point they just said, "All right, this is what we are. This is who we are. We've got to be the best version of, of ourselves." And they're they're becoming that. Like you see, the offense start to click. Like to you alluded to the point of, of James Conner uh, filling in and doing a good job. And while they're not the exact same offense, they're a pretty darn good offense. And so you know, if I'm them, and I got to give them credit because I usually, you know, I you don't usually. When we're talking about Pittsburgh, we're usually talking about things kind of going wrong within that organization and guys chirping. And, you know, they've had a lot of turmoil. But I think they've really closed ranks, and they're not – they put this aside. Like, they've kind of compartmentalized. They're not worried about Le'Veon Bell. That situation has nothing to do with what they're doing on the field. And it's kind of like we'll forget about him until he comes back. And i got to give them a lot of credit because they've withstood the storm and they're coming out on the other end looking like a really good football team.
0: They really have. It's almost like they – and early on the season – I felt like they had the opener, which they looked great, and it was James Conner, no drop off whatsoever. Then they kind of forgot, like to run the football, which happens with Le'Veon. Right. But then once they've given him opportunities, back to back hundred yard games. The thing is, the numbers are still a little bit off. Like they're still not a very good rushing team. I don't think bringing back Le'Veon changes that. I think being more dedicated to the run run. changes that. Right. Uh, And I think it'll be interesting to see if they can do that. And they're getting healthier. Like the bye week coming off that, I'm also interested to see what the Browns do. Like they've. Yeah, I don't want to say regress because nobody had these high expectations for them, but they did have a rough loss in Tampa. Baker Mayfield had the controversial hit, had him in a position late in the game. Uh, they come out in the short end of that one. I want to see like where this team is. Cause if they're a playoff team, which I think they could be, not yeah. to win the division, but I think they can be in that wild card hunt. This is one where, and I don't think they're going to win this game, but to me that eight number is pretty big. If, if the Browns are as good as I think they are, I think.
1: They had a chance to maybe be as good as you thought they would be,, uh, but close. no, I've always talked about this once you when you have that many close opportunities to get w's and they've had about three of them, yeah, you have to get them yeah, get them when you can get them and they've they've squandered too many of those opportunities, especially when you're not a bad team, but historically, you've been a bad team, and you're trying to get over that that hump, you have to take those opportunities and capitalize on them. I think they've let too many of them slip away, so I don't see them getting in the playoffs, and I do think there's gonna be a hangover in, in Pittsburgh. I think they're gonna get smacked.
0: I wanna to see too, how much drama plays out with the Todd Haley, Hugh Jackson stuff. Cause after the game, Hugh Jackson was like, I'm gonna get more involved in the offense. And I feel like Todd Haley said, no you're not. Right, right. And he's the head coach. Cause then Hugh said, I'm not gonna, you know, I'm not calling plays. Uh, I think there could be something going on behind the scenes, which you saw somewhat in hard knocks. Right. There was a lack of respect for Hugh Jackson. Sure. And so, and you could say, all right, you have two head coaches on your staff and Greg Williams on the defensive side of the ball, former head coaches, and you have Todd Haley on the offensive side of the ball. And with one win over the past two seasons, I think they looked at him like, I don't know if you should have this job. And I don't, I don't think that's a real healthy environment to be under. And I think it makes it tough on Hugh Jackson. And I think it puts uh, Baker Mayfield in the tough, tough, tough He was mind. an
1: offensive guy though, right? Yeah. Yeah. So he, I mean,
0: yeah. So he, and he, but he's views himself as this offensive guru, handed over the reins. And then when they struggle, he wants back in. But I think what Todd Haley's thinking is your offense has been trashed the last two years. You know, it's just, it's not a, it's not a healthy dynamic at all, but we'll see if they can get it done. All right. I have a big beef with Will Brinson because he's been very vocal uh, about the Giants quarterback situation. Uh, and I could not disagree more. We're going to get him next. We'll have, we'll hash it out off the bench. All right, welcome back off the bench, Raja. You know what I don't like? I don't like armchair quarterbacks. But you know what's worse than armchair quarterbacks? Armchair GMs. (laughs) And we got one joining us today. Our man Will Brinson. Make sure you follow him on Twitter at Will Brinson. Uh, he's been very vocal on his displeasure at the Giants. Good for you, Will. This offseason. Him and Nick Costos are like the lead attackers of the (laughs) Giants moves that they made. So tell me why you think the Giants made a mistake going with Saquon Barkley at two as opposed to Sam Darnold, Josh Allen, Josh Rosen, any of the other quarterbacks.
3: Well, a couple of reasons. One, you just don't ever draft a running back. And yeah, no worse fan base is committed. I I might have been, I was fired up for that one. I just think. I think think that what the Giants did was delude themselves and delude their fan base and delude their paying season ticket holders. And, you know, I mean, really delude everybody on the roster into believing that what they were doing was running back a competitive team with Eli Manning this season. And if you looked at what they had on the roster, if you looked at their schedule, too, from a 30,000 foot viewpoint, and if you looked at the way that they invested their draft capital, there was no way without Eli Manning being good, without the offensive line you know, turning things around miraculously, that they were going to be a competitive franchise. And to me... It, it, this, should, this is obvious. I mean, look, if you don't have a quarterback in the NFL, you're going to struggle to win. It's never been easier to put a rookie quarterback under center than it is right now. And the Giants had an opportunity for the first time since 2004 to use a top five pick on a quarterback. They, they just, they denied, you know, they, they decided not to use that opportunity and instead got a running back who might very well, look, he's generational. Saquon Barkley's incredible, but his, like his upshot is, He's great for he's good for five years and you give him a a contract that isn't worth, you know, isn't commiserate with his value. So here's where I – because
0: I, I actually liked their plan coming in. I mean, shoot, I picked him to win the NFC. He's going it look like a genius now. But I thought you still had a couple years of Eli. But the thing with Eli, and I think we're all seeing this now, is you have to protect him and you have to give him weapons. So they got him weapons. They shored up Odell Beckham. They brought in Saquon Barkley. They shored up the offensive line with Nate Solder and drafted Will Hernandez, which in theory looked great. Now here's where I think Dave Gettleman deserves some blame is that the offensive line issues have not been fixed at all. So maybe you missed on Solder and you missed on Hernandez, and Eli's getting so much of this blame where he's really not doing anything differently than he has throughout his whole career. Like, he's always been a high-interception guy. He does the chuck and duck. If he gets protection, he can show you that top tier. And here's where I'm not so sure on this, and here's where I think you really need three years to really get a good feel of this. Those other quarterbacks, the other quarterbacks that we've mentioned, and even all of them, you can throw in Baker Mayfield in this, in this group, I don't know if they're the class of 83 just yet. Like they've been they've shown signs and yes because they're starting, it's a little bit unique, but they're not 100% locks for sure. And I don't think there's a a, a full-on guarantee that any of these guys goes on to Canton just yet. So let's wait and see how it plays out and then we can make a valuation on all right, which one of these was the best pick overall?
3: No, that's fair. And look, Dave Gettleman, and I said this too at the time. So I mean, I like I I don't feel like he, I don't feel like I'm doing any of this in hindsight. I'm just you know expressing my very vocal opinion at the time. That now now that it's actually come to fruition, uh, but I do think that you know at the time it was like, look, if Dave Gettleman – who has always, always, always been dead set on taking the best guy on his draft board and, and not veering from BPA, best player available. If, if Saquon Barkley was the best player available and he didn't believe in any of these quarterbacks, then that's fine. Take Saquon Barkley. I don't mind it. I mean, that's, you know, that's your prerogative, but it can't backfire on you. I mean, I think the, the problem with Eli too is that Maybe he's just not good. I mean, you know, he can't he can't escape pressure because he's not fast enough, and he can't throw when he is pressured because he's he's he sort of just lost his fastball. And you know that that that's a that's an Eli problem. But yeah, I mean, I, you know, I, I think that Sam Darnold has looked really sharp at times. There have been times where he's looked terrible. Uh, including his, the first throw of his professional career in in the regular season. And then this week against Minnesota, he wasn't great. Um, Josh Rosen looked, you know, he was under fire. You saw what happens when you put a young quarterback with a bad offensive line. He was under fire against the Broncos last week and looked awful. And, uh, Josh Allen could be out for like, you know, three years with Tommy John surgery for all we know. So yeah, I mean,
1: early. All right. Well, we got look. We got the deadline coming up. You've already seen the Giants make a couple moves, right? With Eli Apple and Snacks being moved. Um, the, my question would be: Do you see them fire sailing to some degree and trying to accrue the draft picks that might get you to swing at that quarterback again? And then, what are your general expectations for deals that may go down around the deadline?
3: Yeah, I mean, I think the Giants would love to do that. One problem, and this sort of relates to why they should have they should have started building with a quarterback last year. They don't have anybody to trade. Like, they don't have anybody that they're going to get good value for. Snacks was – Damon Harrison was one of their better players on a reasonable contract that they signed in free agency. They went out in 26 – they they don't have – I saw Pat Kerwin tweet this out. They're basically bereft of first-rounders now um, from, you know, from the previous drafts. Uh, they have Saquon Barkley. They have Odell Beckham. Um, but, the, you know, most of the guys, most of the big-name talent they had on this roster were guys that Jerry Reese signed in free agency in 2016. So I think the Giants will hold a fire sale. I, I'm not sure that you know anybody's going to give him a ton of picks for it. Like maybe they can get a first rounder for Landon Collins. That would be a that would be that would be a nice haul. Maybe they can do that. I don't think there's uh, He's a
0: cornerstone. I, See, I don't I don't think they get rid of Landon Collins. I think they really like him as a pro. And I think Eli Apple. They weren't high on going back to last year, so I didn't think they had a problem moving with him. One real quick one on Derek Carr because I think he could get chopped. Even though Gruden says we're not trading a quarterback, he also said we're not trading Amari Cooper. But is there a team out there that says? we're a Derek Carr away from being good. That's the biggest question mark in my mind.
3: Well, it, it would be the Jacksonville Jaguars, but I don't think that they're, uh they're not self-aware enough to say that. And I'm not sure that they're even Derek Carr away. They might be like Aaron <laughs> Rodgers away at this point, uh, you know, Jacksonville is going to stick with Blake, sir, Blake Bortles as he travels over to London this weekend. Uh, he's actually very good in London when he plays, they're going to stick with Bortles and ride that out. I think that that's another hindsight thing. Um, You know, They're not not really high. They should have gone with a different quarterback from the get go. We all knew it. We all saw it coming. And now they're stuck in this Bortles thing. If I were them, I would try to make some sort of trade because this defense for Jacksonville has a very short window that they can keep it all together. It's going to be shorter than the Seahawks. And if they don't try to make a move now and upgrade at quarterback, it may end up costing them a shot at the Super Bowl.
1: Uh, and let's switch to uh, Thursday Night Football. You got Dolphins and Texans. Both are four and three. Um, the Texans have the easiest strength of schedule in the NFL, right? They've won four in a row. And then Brock Osweiler obviously going back, uh, to Houston. It didn't end so well for them, uh, for him there. So give us a little preview.
3: Yeah, I mean, look, this is a, a culmination of two amazing, uh, streaks. One, Brock Tober, where Brock Osweiler magically Turns into the Ante pumpkin and, and plays well in October, and, and then two, the, the Houston Texans in the middle of the worst four-game winning streak in NFL history. They they haven't. It's unbelievable. I mean, like I don't I don't even know how they're at four and three, but here they are, and they're seven and a half point favorites at home after beating the Jaguars in a game where Deshaun Watson had to take a bus from. Imagine this. The, the, the star quarterback took a bus from Houston to Jacksonville. Like, is it, was it a Greyhound? I mean, was, <laughs> I, like, was he by himself? Was he just like, was he reading like Catcher in the Rye for 12 hours? I mean, I don't even, I don't, I don't even get it. And, but he's, he's got a partially collapsed lung, so he had to take this bus there. They're now four and three. They've actually started to score a little bit better, but you look at the numbers, they're not playing better. They're just getting a little bit luckier, and they played some bad teams, two overtime wins in that stretch as well, and then caught Jacksonville napping. Um, you know, I think this is a case where J.J. Watt exerts his will and turns Brock Osweiler, his old teammate, who who I can't imagine he's a huge fan of, based on how things went in Houston when they paid him seventy two million dollars, uh, where, where the defense just. Punishes Brock Osweiler and wins an ugly, ugly game like twenty-one to to nine or something like that. I like Adam Gase as a coach, but his record, both straight up and against the spread on Thursday nights, is not very good. And I can just see this being a, an absolute. It's not even a rock fight; it's like a a pebble fight into the twenty-one-seven final.
0: Yeah, I could see JJ Watt going all in like he did on Zach Mettenberger when Mettenberger and him had that little beef. I could see a similar type situation. All right, Will, good stuff. Stop playing uh, armchair GM on Twitter, will you? <laughs> <laughs> <See you guys. laughs> all right that was friendly fire at best all right let's get it over to hannah for socially relevant
4: danny i'm glad you retired your swag from earlier in the show but well, we have to oh. talk about a new kind of swag because the atlanta hawks have a new swag in their arena. At a press conference on Wednesday, the Hawks announced a new location for Killer Mike's swag shop. So Atlanta legend rapper Michael Render, a.k.a. Killer Mike, is opening up a new shave, wash, and groom shop inside the State Farm Arena. They posted a picture on Instagram yesterday to showcase what they've got going on during the game now. So you basically sit in the chair, you can watch the game while you visit the barbershop. So, Danny Raja, let's say you guys take your family down to a heat game. Would you guys stop to get a shave?
1: I would absolutely uh, use a barbershop in an arena. <laughs> like, from a fan perspective, I would do it. Like, you, like it's so hard to get to the barbershop when you have kids. Yeah. It really is. And, like, I even did it from the front office perspective. I'd go into the game at Cleveland. I'd look at myself and be like, man, you could really use a haircut. Luckily, there was a barbershop right across the street from the Quicken Loans in Cleveland. But it, if it had been right upstairs, would I would have been there. All I thought
0: time. I thought you were going to say you were going to go to one of the personal barbers that the guys travel with. Like they bring them in and then they'll do the whole squad and then they'll set. Like they'll have the guy come in. And that
1: was it. a weird dynamic because I wasn't on the team. Like and he <laughs> used to come to the arena, but I wasn't on a team. Was anymore. that LeBron's guy or was it somebody else? Or was no, it a local I think guy? somebody else kind of coordinated. He was a local guy. He actually sad story. He got. Uh, yeah he got he got killed when we were in Cleveland. Oh, I took shit. my sons to the barbershop, right? And we weren't there that weekend but we had been there like 2 days before that. Somebody ran up in barber uh, yeah. uh, the
0: barbershop and man the haircut would be great and then you know what also was cool when you were a player was getting your car washed like while you were at Oh uh, yeah that was you know, Come out with a clean car. Uh, all right, what's next?
4: Bougie experiences left and right. Okay, so that's not the only premium experience we're seeing in NBA arenas now. So last night, Fox Sports Wisconsin featured a little behind-the-scenes look at the Milwaukee Bucks bench, revealing that they're not just regular-looking chairs sitting there. The Bucks players have adjustable and heated seats on their bench. Apparently, it took two years to work on these chairs. They finally made it out this season, and the guy who created these chairs specifically made them to 42 degrees Celsius. Because according to his research, that is the peak performance heat temperature that works best with your muscles. So, Raja, did you have anything like this in your playing game? Wow.
1: You know, we had a hot pack and if you were a rookie you got to enjoy that on the floor. Right. That's all <laughs> We, we had. had to lay down on it. Yeah, yeah, you lay down and put the hot pack on your back. That's fantastic. I
0: like how they had the different levels. Like they had the big dudes and then they had a couple for the smaller guards at the yeah. bench They were
1: set up there. It's You'd have, sweet. If you needed a higher chair, they'd bring like this foam pad. Like the equipment guy <laughs> would have that to carry great. it and he just <laughs> sat it on top of your chair for you. That's awesome. That's dope.
4: All right, lastly, Washington Wizards' John Wall was calling out DeMarcus Cousins last night. Check this out. Warriors reporter Kareth Burke took to Twitter saying, quote, John Wall and DeMarcus Cousins were roommates at Kentucky. Wall told me Boogie only wanted to listen to slow jams, and he ate all his snacks. So, guys, suddenly me and Boogie have so much in common.
0: That's fantastic. Obviously the nutrition plan wasn't kicked in yet. Yeah, now
1: Boogie looks like the type of dude who would listen to slow jams and eat a lot of snacks. It's not surprising. Yeah. Sure. Did you hear the big news
0: out on Instagram? Like it was not, like it was, I saw it on CNBC, a couple other places. Uh Uh, there's a new verified Instagram user. Ah! Oh, look at that. One Hannah Osloff. <laughs> she got the check mark. What does verified oh, mean? Man. And guess who's not
1: verified? Uh, me? You. Yeah. <laughs> What's going on with this picture? What does verified mean? Oh, it's official. It's on. It's on I'm and so popping right now. I really Hannah. need it. Like, what does that mean, Hannah? What does
0: verification you celebrate? mean?
4: <laughs> Danny, you are, right?
0: Yes. How did you celebrate?
4: I no, nothing. I I have. I'm like nobody. I have no followers. I got it, Danny. I got to do whatever you're doing because you're doing something right. Raja, you're not doing anything right apparently. No, <laughs> no
1: but I'm not letting anybody look at my Instagram no, he's page. Don't I
4: I even Get know, followers. You
1: all creeping on my that's Instagram fine. page. Yeah. I just post
0: pictures of my kids all the time. I all right so, right. so you
4: guys did that. All right. That's also socially relevant. Thank you guys. Don't embarrass me anymore. Be sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Canel and Bell, or you can follow my new but I'm Just kidding. I'm not going to do that. Coming up next. Yes. Dan, <laughs> and Roger Breakdown, today's leftover. Stay with us. You're watching Off the Bench.
0: <laughs> all right, let's finish it off with some basketball talk. College basketball, last year, the bombshell FBI investigation that came out like totally opened up like all this. Se- secret stuff that kind of everybody knows about. Right. But everybody knows about, but, you know, yeah. officially came to light. Uh, they actually had some of the, uh, cases were heard and a jury on Wednesday convicted the three defendants accused of pay for play schemes to influence high profile basketball recruits to Kansas, Louisville, and NC State. There was an VISA uh, employee, a couple of those former, uh, agent, Andy Miller, a runner, Kristen Dawkins. Like they all were found guilty in the case. I don't, I, there was, A conversation at the time when it came out that, oh, my gosh, this is going to change college basketball, I I think it's played out that it really hasn't yet. Yeah. I think much has changed as far as the case
1: influencing it. Look, man, they're going to find a way. You know, and my be i have a beef with this, like a legitimate beef, mm-hmm. because nobody ever offered me any money. I know, right? Like, I wasn't I good say, enough oh, apparently <laughs> to get any money. Because like, I, I absolutely would have taken it. Me too. I'll, although so, I think no. there's a number. There's a correct.
0: Like if it was a, if it was two hundred grand, I might have been like, whoa, that's kind of. But if a few thousand bucks, yeah, like yeah, yeah, the, yeah, yeah. the money.
1: Um, but no, I listen, man. People, you find a way to get stuff done, mm-hmm. right? And then the rules change, and then you find a way to like work around those rules like it's not you're not stopping this Mm -hmm. it is these talents until these kids start going right to the pros again where they can make money if you're going to make them go to school somebody's going to figure out a way to incentivize them to come to their school um and it's just going to happen and so this case can do what it's got to do and and they might have to reopen another case in a few years but people are going to figure out ways to get these kids in their in their programs because they can't go to the pros and a lot of them come from situations for sure where where you know this has been their means to an end for a long time and now you're gonna make me waste a year in college right. I, I i need that
0: and it's not only players you got parents who are saying hey where's mine like yeah. we will all take the money for him we'll hold it so you kind of circumvent that i don't think it ever gets cleaned up but if you did want to clean it up the NCA can't do it like people aren't scared of getting put on probation no. or missing time put in jail that's a whole different story like that will clean it up somewhat but i'm with you i don't think it ever cleans it up what I think is good, cause I don't want college basketball to turn into minor league, you know, NBA. I don't want to see that. I'd, I'd like to see the stipends increase. I'd like to see them get more, but I don't want college basketball players making a million bucks. I just don't think it's healthy for the sport. What I do like is I like that players can have an alternative. Go yeah. to the G league. Yeah. There, uh, go to Europe. Uh, being able to skip it all together. If they want to go from high school, let them go. Like why prevent them if they're good enough from Taking advantage of that opportunity. And I think it helps the college game from this perspective of everybody saying, Oh, we got to pay them. We got to pay them.
1: Let them go somewhere else and get paid. You know, first of all, they don't do it in many other sports. They do it in football because you can't have a 17 year old or a 16 year old running around. I think they a can A 30 year old. I mean, maybe now more than ever, but like I could see the physical dangers that you put a kid in if For you sure. do that. They don't do it in golf. They don't right. do soccer. Right. They don't do it in
0: tennis like they don't in baseball which is the third most popular sport they let them go from high school So
1: what is the problem with I, don't, with I have these no idea I have no <laughs> idea it's the, it's so stupid um but having said that I agree with you cuz you always talk about like program guys they're being there for the program not being there for the pros next year, right? Mm-hmm. You'll weed a lot of those guys out, right? You'll have a more pure product good. in 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 college basketball. It'll be more camaraderie. It'll be more about the program. You'll have more kids there for a long time, which increases, you know, the 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 the, the cohesiveness of your offenses and defenses. Like it, it, it'll be better for college basketball if you let the ones that are too good just go have an alternative.
0: What do you think? Because this is the only area I'm a little bit torn on. If they don't, if they, if they're close and they decide, no, you know, I'm going to go to college. How long do you think they should have to go? One or two? Keep it like so they can go. Cause I don't, I don't, I don't really have a huge hang up with that one. If they're good enough to go every year, I let don't them care.
1: Go. Right. Like if you go to school and you decide after your first year that you're going to, look, if you go to school, right, and you're on an academic scholarship. Mm-hmm and you develop an app after your freshman year that's gonna make you ten million dollars. Right and you say, I don't want to go to school anymore. Right. Does anyone care? No. No. no one cares. So why do you give a damn about a basketball player saying the same thing? Right. That's why I don't I don't I I would like to see the
0: game because college basketball is not a good product, right? I'd like to see, but I, but that's a selfish standpoint. Like for for guys, if they can go, then go ahead. Yeah. I, I don't mind even letting them go out of high school, let them go out their freshman year, let them go out of their stuff. Like whenever they're good enough to go, go ahead and take your Correct. take your shot. Um, there was also an interesting movement from top high school prospect Darius Baisley. So he was, I saw anywhere between top thirteen, top seventeen uh, recruit coming out of high school. Can't obviously go to the NBA. Yeah, the G League alternative, which was just announced, and still kind of, I think there's a little bit of a hiccup with that one, of whether it's going to get approved or not. For 125 grand, he didn't like that option. So Rich Paul uh, comes up with an idea, which I think is a genius idea. He's going to go work for New Balance as an intern. I don't know why they call it an intern. He's getting paid a million bucks. It's not That's an internship; it. those are free. <laughs> and so he's not going to play at all this year, and then hopefully go to the NBA after that.
1: This is really, this is a really interesting, could be game-changing. Uh, play by rich paul and and i want to i'm going to ask you because i want to be clear on this he's taking this is a job or an internship right the, the, but this the, this does not affect his amateur status as a basketball player does
0: it well he can't play like, in college
1: no he's skipping so he was supposed but to let, go to syracuse let, let's say no, he's he, not. let's say something happens and he doesn't get picked and he hasn't but he's already signed with an agent so it has yeah. affected his amateur yeah i think status. he's a pro i think he's yeah a pro from all right um well i still love it because like, why go to China or go to like Europe? I mean, the only argument you'd make is you get to play against grown men in a grown man's league, but you're also taking a huge risk of of like culture shock when you go to one of those countries and you're only 17 years old. You don't really know how to live by yourself and 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 provide for yourself and do your dishes and your lawn. You know what I mean? There's so many yeah. things that go into that. Um Keep him here. He's learning the business side of things, which Rich Paul kind of touched on. Like he said, so if this doesn't work basketball wise, he'll be so far ahead of the curve in terms of understanding. The way the business works, yeah. Um, so it's almost like going to school for a year, just an advanced business class on on basketball. I think it's great. I think it's great
0: too. Like, I think yeah. people are surprised to hear me say that because I'm, I'm, I, and I'm not hardcore. Don't ever pay uh, athletes. I want them to have options so that if they don't want to go to college, they don't have to. I'll be curious to see how does it affect his development. Cause I think he might be better going to college for a year and developing his skill set and that would enhance his draft stock. But if he doesn't want to go, then go play. Cause even, uh, Rich Paul talked about it, said, Hey, you know, we're going to work him out. We're going to try
1: to find pickup no, games. Be, like, look, we're gonna, he'd be better served from right, his but game financially by going, be. but you ain't making a million dollars in college. Right. I want to ask, like, seriously, and this may be me just being super ignorant. Let's say he doesn't sign with Rich Paul and he decides to take a job that nets him a million dollars. He can then still go back and play basketball in college if he wanted to. Like you can have a job yeah. and and then be a college athlete, right? I think it is officially an endorsement deal though. But well, this is an it. endorsement deal. All right. So okay. But I mean say let's yeah. say it wasn't I think an endorsement deal for uh, Morgan Yeah, I'm going to take a million dollar job and then it didn't work out. I want to come back and play basketball provided you haven't signed with an agent. You should still be an, an amateur. You might have just come up with a genius idea that we should be out there.
0: Floating. I could go out there and find a bunch come of... Them sign them. Okay. Okay. Exactly. Come sign with Bell and Cannell. Exactly. Or Cannell and Bell. And or you like, like
1: better. I flipped that. It was my idea.
0: <laughs> I know it was. That was pretty good. Uh Michelle Roberts, uh head of the uh, NBA PA, she likes it, obviously. Yeah. She said, absolutely, I think you should be paid. Jim Behan hates it. He but, doesn't like it. Of course he doesn't. Of course. Uh, but I think it's good. Bring more solutions for guys. Give them opportunities to go get paid if they don't want to be there. I think it's good. I think it'll all help the discussion, and it's better for guys that deserve to get paid somewhat.
1: No doubt. I love Jimmy B and all the other coaches, but you guys have made your money.
0: (laughs) Yes, they have. A lot of money.